0: Episode 24 of the New England Sports Media Podcast features Nicole Yang, a Patriots beat reporter for the Boston Globe and a Boston.com, or formerly a Boston.com reporter, but always a Boston Globe media reporter for the breadth of her professional career. Nicole, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, we're super excited to have you because I think you're a great example of someone who's taken advantage of the opportunities given to them. So you went to Amherst College, right? You graduate in 2016. Uh, You end up at The Globe, eventually Boston.com. Can you describe like first just how you got to your initial role at Boston.com and what that role was like from day one?
1: Yeah, so I would say that when I was in school, media wasn't really on my radar as a potential career, like journalism wasn't really on my radar. Amherst is a small liberal arts school, so it's not like journalism or communications is really an option for major. So I was involved with the school paper. I enjoyed writing, but I wasn't really pursuing journalism as like a career. But then my senior year, the second semester of my senior year, Amherst is in like such a rural area. You sort of get, I don't know, sick of it. It's a really small community. And I was thinking about the future and just wanted a an internship or some sort of opportunity that would get me out of the area and also help prepare me for post-grad. So I was looking at different opportunities in Boston and Boston.com had a co-op. So I applied to that and I ended up getting it. The funny thing is though, is that when I started or when I like accepted and was going to start, originally boston.com was going to sort of shift and become like all lifestyle like they were going to eliminate the news and sports departments and it was really going to become like a cultural like guide to boston essentially and i was fine like writing that but then on my first day i started in january and they were like actually like we're keeping things the way that they were like you're going to be in sports and i was like okay that's cool like addy amherst was the managing sports editor of the school papers. So I had like experience in that and I was down. Um, so I did the co-op for six months. That's like how long a cycle is. I'm sure as you guys know. Um, and then I stayed on for another six months. I did another co-op like post-grad and then they hired me full-time, um, to write about sports for boston.com. And then I did that for a year and I got a job opportunity one of their Celtics beat reporters. And that was really intriguing for me because um, I love the NBA. I would love to cover the NBA. I think that's like my sport and league of choice. But um, I mean, obviously, I really enjoyed working at Boston.com and sort of within the globe. So from that, I was able to get more opportunities outside of Boston.com, gain more reporting from the globe. And I was getting more assignments for the globe. Um, So I was still able to get like those reporting reps that a beat reporter got, but it was still at the same company, which I think was important to me at the time. And then I was doing that sort of like that dual hybrid role for um, like two years basically. And then the Patriots beat reporter job opened up and here we are.
0: So can we talk about how, when you get that, that mass live offer, what were you doing at the time for Boston.com? Was it mostly just like the this the desk type work, or were you starting to get into the Celtics locker room or other places that that got that you got noticed by Mass Live?
1: So at that point, I had started doing a little bit of reporting, yeah, um, in the Celtics locker room or whatever it might be. That I, I started doing a little bit more original stuff, definitely at the start of my Boston.com tenure and throughout co-op for sure. I was just doing like desk stuff and aggregation, running wires, more production stuff even. But then um, at the time of that offer, yeah, I, I had already been in the Celtics locker room. I had already met a few people on the beat and things like that.
0: So when you, when you started doing that, when you started going to the locker room, like, were you assigned to, to write for the games or were you just kind of going on your own volition? And then I'm also, as a part of that question, I'm curious what was your relationship like with like Adam Himmelsbach and Gary Washburn? And how did you like kind of delineate, like, I'm going to do this story X, Y, Z. And how, how how did that work out?
1: Well, so at that point, I was still basically writing exclusively for Boston.com. So we didn't really, Adam and Gary and I didn't really cross paths. Um, eventually, once I started, once I started getting sort of more in the, Globefold, uh, Scott Thurston, like the assignment editor, sort of dictates the roles to make sure that we don't step on each other's toes. Or if I have a feature or something, I would pitch it to him and he would make sure it wouldn't overlap um, with what they were doing. So shout out to Scotty for handling um, all of that stuff. But at the start, it was really just me pitching uh, the Boston.com sports editor, Gary. Uh, I think the first story that I was working on was um, at the time, like the Celtics had just acquired Kyrie Irving. They just traded for him. So I was going to a bunch of home games and going in the visiting locker room and asking players like what makes Kyrie different on the Celtics compared to when he was with the Cavs. So I like pulled, I think 25 players and did like a little stat breakdown about uh, Kyrie as a Celtic versus Kyrie as a Cav and I, um, the Globe ended up using the piece, which was cool. And I think that was my first taste of like reporting, going into locker rooms, coming up with ideas, like not waiting for news to come to you, like trying to be more original and creative and stuff. So I really enjoyed that. And that's when I was like, hey, Gary, like, is it okay if I start going to these games more often? And I would write like takeaways, or I don't know, if somebody said something buzzy in the post game press conference, I could write that up. But my main goal was really just getting experience, meeting other people on the beat, things like that.
2: That's awesome. So when you first started like getting in these locker rooms, how did you maneuver about? What was the experience like? Like how are you feeling? What was that all about?
1: So I definitely got lost like the first five times. Like nobody really they don't tell you where to go. I feel like yeah. you just go and everyone assumes that you sh- to go to like the ninth floor, like, you know, where to pick up your credential. Like I didn't even know like which entrance to go to. So it definitely took some time to like get the hang of it. And that's why I wanted to go basically to any home game that I could to sort of get those reps, because I feel like even when, like, I don't go to Red Sox games that often, but whenever I was required to help out with a game, I would still get lost every time just because the infrequency, like you forget um, the basics and stuff. So I mean, it took a little bit of time. And then I think the first couple of games, like I just tried to like sit back and observe and sort of see how other people and how other reporters handled themselves and just like take cues from them. And then I think the first story, because it was so much in the visiting locker room, that was kind of nice because if it it was like if I messed up or if I like didn't like how an interaction went or if I. I don't know, felt awkward for some reason. It's like, okay, I'm not going to see these players again for like, who knows how long. It wasn't like it was in the Celtics locker room where I would literally see them like in two days, maybe. So that I think helped a lot too. And there were so many less people in the visiting locker room that I never felt like I was being like watched or, you know, like there's no audience. So you feel, I think a little bit less, um, uh, you feel just like a little bit more at ease
2: what were some of the like first interactions you had with players? Like, did it go smoothly or were there some like mistakes and stuff?
1: It, I think they went smoothly for the most part. I think like that's the advantage of being like a young woman is that like they, I think, try and be nice at the very least. Like, even if I asked like a dumb question or if they were like, who is this girl? Like they think at least try and be um, welcoming Um Like I remember I went up to Rodney Hood once and I called him Dante by accident because I was trying to track down Dante XM. And he was like, I'm not Dante. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And I just left and I was like mortified and he probably doesn't remember that at all. But like, again, that's the benefit of it being in the visiting locker room. Like, it's not like I went up to Jalen Brown and was like, hi, Jason, because he would probably remember that because then I would see him literally the next day. So like that happened and like um, one time Ennis Cantor, who ended up coming to the Celtics and it ended up not being a big deal, but like he had his shirt off and was like rubbing his abs and was like, you know, for Christmas, like all I want, I forget the exact quote, but he's making a comment about like his six pack or his eight pack. And then Mario Hazonia was like, oh, like I will trade you like a defense or I'll trade you a four pack for a defensive slide, which is like objectively funny because Ennis is not very good at defense. So I tweeted it. I didn't realize that Ennis is like such a hawk on the internet and like name searches himself all the time. So then the Knicks literally came back that week and he like, called me out and was like, that wasn't a very funny tweet. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is awful. And I was like paranoid that the Celtics were gonna sign Ennis because they like, the rumors kept um, linking them together. And then he does come and I'm like, oh my God, he's gonna hate me, like I was dreading this. And then it turned out completely fine. Like Ennis and I had like a very good relationship. And I think once I learned more about sort of like how Ennis operates within the media i was like all of that makes more sense but at the time i was like freaking out for sure
0: so obviously like nba players have their own platforms their instagrams they can say whatever they want about themselves and get whatever stories they want out about themselves the celtics beat is crowded obviously there's tons of beat writers we just had john corrales on the podcast for our last episode um you know every outlet has two and it seems like there are you know you name the outlet and and they do have a credentialed reporter Um, that being said, obviously you have a knack for finding feature ideas still. Um, how do you find those ideas? You know, is it through talking people? Is it through social media? How, how do you find those ideas? Whether, whether they are about the player or about someone who's related to the player in some way.
1: I think a lot of it is just, um, through talking to players, like, not just going to them when you have a story idea, like trying to strike up a conversation naturally and learning more about them. A lot of it is social media too, like seeing the types of things that they're sharing because then hopefully you can get a better idea of their interests and things like that. Um, So I would say it's just like paying attention basically to things that aren't happening during the game. So if, I don't know, like, Grant and Catan, for example, like he posts about it all the time. So it's like if you just uh, either watch their socials or I, the best thing about NBA games, in my opinion, is the time like leading up to the uh, tip off because their like managers are out there, they're agents, cousins, family members. So if you just sit courtside or if you just hang out like by the court, you can strike up a conversation with people. Um, close to a bunch of players and they too are revealing. So I think it's just um, really like keeping an open mind and doing the best you can to like, just gather intel.
2: I thought that Catan article was fantastic. Like kind of take us through that over what, how long of a period of time did that take? Like you played the game with him too. Like how did that go?
1: Thanks. Um, yeah. So Grant clearly was, like, obsessed with Catan, like, posting it uh, on his Instagram, I think, and then also at Tennessee, like, a couple of people wrote about how obsessed he was with the game, and I hadn't played Catan before, so I was like, oh, okay, like, maybe Grant can teach me, and I can sort of understand why he's so obsessed with this, so um I reached out to the Celtics uh first I asked Grant if he would be down to teach me and he was like yeah but you have to coordinate obviously with PR so the Celtics helped me set it up and we played at the Auerbach Center and I got two other reporters um who already knew how to play to join us because it's a four-person game and then um we just played like after one of his practices um it was an off day for media so we just went to the Auerbach center and he taught me how to play. And we played for like three hours, Um, it was great. And then after that, I think like the next day or later that week, I talked to Grant about it uh, at like shoot around or something. And then um, asked a few other guys like for little quotes to sort of fill it out. But um, that was, I think one of my favorite stories.
0: So this is going to probably, nice. sound, this is probably going to sound like a stupid question, but like, if you, like during that, when you're playing it with Grant, like you're playing Catan and then with the two other beat writers, um, are you like taking notes? Are you recording it? Like, are you, like, yeah. oh, what are you doing?
1: So I'm not, I didn't take any notes. I was recording the whole thing though, okay. um, which he knew, um, but I feel like that's way more natural to just have like my phone recording no. it than like me writing things down because then like he could do something and then I would write it down and like, I don't want that to influence like how he acts like throughout the rest of the game.
0: So now doing the Patriots, obviously your first season on the Patriots beat um, there are no open locker rooms. I'm sure because of COVID Uh, what has it been like covering the Patriots from this vantage point?
1: Yeah. So it's definitely been tough um, just because like you said, there aren't any open locker rooms and typically like that's the best time of the week is we get four days of locker room access and it's 45 minutes each day. You go into the locker room and it's like free range. Like if a player's in there, you can try and approach them. And um, that's great for the type of stuff that the globe wants me doing, which are those sort of off field features and things like that. And so It's definitely been a lot tougher um, because one, I find that the Patriots aren't even that revealing via zoom. And then two, like it's just so hard to forge relationships sort of like have those conversations that I was mentioning to you guys of just like talking to a guy in the locker room, sort of about anything like you, that's impossible right now. So I have like a few player. So even though I wasn't on the beat, I like had experience in the locker room because I was helping out with some of the globe coverage last season. So I have, like, a few players' numbers, so I used that. But, like, you can only go to those wells so many times before they're – especially on the Patriots before it's, like – I mean, like – Sorry. No worries. Um, You can only do that so many times before it's, like – I don't know. Like, they're kind – like, you're sort of maybe risking that they're not going to respond to you.
0: Right. So – What about like the other stakeholders? You talk about sitting courtside during shoot around like NBA before the games and talking to other stakeholders, whether they be players, families, agents, former coaches, whoever's there. Have you been able to do the same thing? I mean, I know you have for certain stories like source wise, like calling high school coaches, but has that sort of way you build sources helped you, you think during like pandemic mode Patriots coverage?
1: Definitely, and especially with the Patriots, too, because players generally are pretty tight-lipped, like, usually you'll find you'll get better information from the people not affiliated with the organization because they're more inclined to open up, like, they don't have anything really, um, they aren't, like, media-trained, so it's easier to get stories and things like that, so like you mentioned, I've talked to a lot of, like, high school coaches, college coaches, um, people, like, one step removed or however many degrees of separation removed from the players.
2: How did the, uh, the Cam Newton hat story come about? Was that purely through social media?
1: So Cam, I mean, obviously like Cam wears these hats every week. Yeah. They're wild. To ignore. <laughs> and then to one of his press conferences, he was wearing a baseball cap that said Mashika on it. And so I was like, okay, I obviously I'm going to Google Mashika now and see like what this is. And I saw of it's course. like, hat company. I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is the hat company that's responsible for all of his hats. And then, so I reached out to see if um, the founder of Mexica Alberto Hernandez would be available for an interview. And then he's the one that was like, Oh yeah. Like we make these every week for cam and things like that. So that's how that came about. Uh, So was
0: he like surprised when you contacted him and asked for an interview, like the, the owner of Mexica?
1: I'm not sure if he was surprised or not. He agreed to it. I mean, I guess that's the thing with um, non-players is like one, it's an advantage because typically they'll talk and they're not media trains like that. But then two, the flip side is like, because they're not players, like they aren't required to talk and like they could potentially, or they might feel uncomfortable talking because they don't want to, you know, put like cam in a bad spot or something like that. So Um, I was nervous about whether he, whether or not he would be interested, but, um, he was So like, I was happy about that.
2: When you do an article like that too, obviously it's a good opportunity for them to kind of market their brand. Like what kind of a role does that play into? And do you kind of like take what they're saying sometimes and try to not make it into like an advertisement? Like, what do you think about that?
1: Right. So I think with that, it's just like trying to keep everything like related to um, Cam and his relationship. Like during the interview, I asked more questions about his background and like how he got into hat making and like how the business is going and things like that sort of to like put him at ease and also like contextualize things if I needed to. But then when it actually came to writing the story, I think I just had one graph sort of about his background because that is interesting to people to know like where he's from and things like that but um it definitely didn't need to be the set like his journey is not like the center of the story it's the fact that he makes these hats for cam once a week
0: so now that you're like engrossed on the patriots beat and like your job as patriots beat reporter what do you anticipate like the the next few months then like the off season, to look like for you like are you gonna have any opportunity to go back to maybe covering some celtic stuff or, or other stuff or is is the, are, is the patriots like gonna be your thing and are you gonna be reporting on like transactions and stuff like what's the offseason gonna look like do you think
1: i'm not really sure i think it depends sort of what happens like within the nfl i'm not even sure if like the league has their calendar right, situated right. And stuff because of The virus and things like that but I assume if there's like a combine or if there's meetings and things like that like I in normal years would get to go but because everything is virtual I'm not sure what that would look like but like I'm still I guess The person that had this job before me, Nora Princiati, who's like one of my good friends in media, like when she was in this role, like she still contributed in other areas during the offseason. And so I'm still open to that, even outside of like basketball and the Celtics. Like in 2019, I helped out with the Stanley Cup run, and that was really fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Labor Cup coming to Boston, if that like we ever get live sporting events and things like that. So I'm still open, I think to other assignments, but if they need me like on Patriots, like obviously like that's what I will do because like, that's my job.
0: So we talked a little bit about your relationship with the Celtics beat writers. What about with the Patriots beat writers, especially you being like a Patriots beat writer as well. Not, not the Boston.com person. You are a Patriots beat writer with uh, Jim McBride, with Ben Volan, etc. What's your relationship like with them and, and how do How do stories come up? How often do you communicate? What's it like being on a multi-person beat?
1: So we communicate, I would say, a lot through Scotty. Um, But like Jim and I go to the games and we sit right next to each other. So um, we talk it out through there. Um, I think we all have a good relationship if there's a way that one of us can help the other, whether it's through sharing a contact or sharing whatever information we have, we do it um I think that obviously there's less of it because we don't go to Gillette like last year we would all be in that um like at Gillette in the press area like there's a Boston Globe room so we'd all be in the same room together and things like that so we have a good relationship I don't think we really step on each other's toes because Ben covers more the league as a whole Jim is like on the beat like sort of like the daily news cycle. And then they have me trying to do more features. So I think it works out really nicely.
2: So in your day to day is the only time you really get to go like out in the field, kind of those are those home games, or do you have other opportunities kind of like leave your apartment and cover something live?
1: So right now it's really just the home games. Um, I don't go to practice. They only allow one person at practice and gym goes and there's no real use for me to go to practice because it's mainly for attendance purposes at this point um, during the pandemic. But yeah, the since March I've done, I think like, but other than home games, maybe three stories outside of my apartment like I did, I got to do the marathon, which was really fun. Or I shouldn't say fun. It was like a good reporting experience and I enjoyed it. Um, and then the day before the Celtics left for the bubble, I spent it at like their barber shop, which was another really um, mm-hmm. great like reporting and enjoyable experience. But other than that, like I think everything I've done has come from my apartment, which is really sad, but like obviously necessary.
2: Where is that barber shop? That was in Wellesley?
1: In Waltham.
2: Okay, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. How'd that come about?
1: Um. So that was through social. I noticed this guy was constantly posting photos of Celtics haircuts, and I was like, because of the bubble and sort of everything that was happening, I was like, I bet a bunch of them are going to get their hair cut the day before they leave. So I reached out to him asking if I could interview him at the shop that day, and he was like, sure, no problem. And Grant was scheduled to get his haircut. And like Grant and I already have a good relationship. So he was like, you can sit in for that one and uh, talk to Grant and stuff. But then turns out like six of them ended up going that day or like seven of them ended up going that day. So I ended up spending like nine hours there, um, which was like, that was one of, again, one of my favorite stories um, just because of like the unique circumstances. um, And uh, like the on-field reporting opportunities had been like so barren by that point
2: yeah 100 percent it just it paints the players in a completely different light which is awesome and like puts them in the community which you don't like like anyone could be going to a barbershop like that that's sick
1: right yeah like that shop is open to the public like you right. guys could get your haircut there tomorrow if you wanted
0: no for sure so what about like you said you I'm curious to going back to, you said like, you didn't know media was like in your future. You didn't know journalism was in your future, et cetera, et cetera. Um, When you started to do stories for like the Boston.com and started to go into locker rooms and all that stuff. Like, is that when you realize it's in your future? Was it when you did your co-op? Like when did you realize what you're doing now was in your future? Because it wasn't that long ago that you said, you know, you graduated college and you met didn't necessarily know what you wanted to do so how did you know and get to the point of what you're doing and when did you know that you wanted to do it and how did you know how to do it
1: (laughs) i mean i still i feel like that's the cool thing about journalism is that it's like a constant learning experience like you're constantly getting better it's like never you never really master it if that makes sense like i was a big science person in college and like that's so different because like you know, if you got it right, or you know, if like your experiment worked and things like that. And then in this case, like that's sort of the scary and like the vulnerable part about like writing is you never actually know if what you're writing is good. And some people might think it's really good and some people might think it's really bad. So I think it's like constantly a work in progress, but I feel like when I knew that this was a, maybe a potential career was once I started full-time at boston.com because with the co-op like I at least was aware that media was like a difficult industry to sort of find a career and um like get a job so through co-op I still viewed it all as like really temporary and I still had to like apply for other jobs too because who knows what is going to happen at the end of co-op but then once I got like a full-time offer I think I realized like okay like well now if this is my job, like I can really sort of try and plan and like dedicate myself to it.
0: So what do you think like 2015, like junior year of college, Nicole Yang would have said she'd be doing in 2020, like for a career?
1: Oh man. I mean, that's the thing is like, I feel like I had, this is like a lame answer, but like, I just had such broad academic interests. Like I could see myself in grad school at this point. I could see myself, I don't know, working in like consulting, which is really boring or like a communications job, like definitely a cubicle job or something like that, Um, which is so strange because now I feel like if I were forced to pivot, I would definitely probably pursue some sort of graduate degree. Like I can't see myself going to like a nine to five desk job.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's funny. It's always interesting I mean, people ask like Liam and I that too all the time. And you, I still don't know the answer of what I want to be in five years or anything. Or yeah, but, uh, no idea. <laughs> but, but Nicole it was great at talking to you. Uh, it was, we enjoyed getting your insight and kind of seeing how you navigated uh, where you've been so far. Obviously your career is still pretty much just beginning. We are what, like 25, 26 years old. You're not, yeah. you know, you're, 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 you still got plenty of time, but It's cool to see what you've done and uh, we enjoy reading your work. Thanks so much for joining us again.
1: Thanks for having me.